Good morning and welcome. Trust we've been blessed this morning already as we've been here. Appreciated the devotions this morning too, Brother Paul. Just a reminder of the story, um, the history of some of them songs is very interesting. And uh, as we consider our place in that, tell me the old, old story. We were talking about that in our Sunday school a little bit, just the thought of, uh, you know, what, you know, what can we do? What are we doing about the story or about the message of Christ and, and the work that he's done in our lives and, and how we can, so easy for us to allow uh, the things of this world to, to keep us from our, you know, uh, well, I mean, the, the, the thought that I had was that, you know, the lady there at the well, the woman at the well, uh, went to the well with a purpose. I guess this kind of spoke to me. She went to the well with a purpose. She went to go get water, and it was a good thing. She was doing a good thing. Her family or her situation, she needed water at home. I, don't, I guess she had a family. Uh, she had a husband or a man that was with her anyway, according to what Christ told her. But she needed water, and so she was going about her everyday duties, doing the right thing for the right time. And she came to the place, she was there at the well, and she met Jesus, and she started talking to him, and it says she left her, her uh, water pot. I think it says, or a container there. She left it set and then went home to tell them what's going on and that, she, that Jesus was out there and they need to come out and talk to her. And I, and I, and I, and I, you know, how many times does it work the other way for us? When we are going about our duties, we, we have opportunities and we meet people and, there's, and there, we are in situations where we could drop that water pot and let it set and, and talk about Jesus and talk about and, and connect with people. But instead, we ignore the people and we stick to our water pot. That spoke to my heart this morning. That's so easy to do. I'm busy. I've got a schedule. I have to get these things done before tonight. And yes, that's good to have schedules, and it's good to have uh, get our things done, be orderly, because it affects other people too, and it makes a difference. And there's responsibilities we have. <clears throat> oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I am constrained to be. <clears throat> okay. This morning, I. Uh, I've had a message on my heart for the last several days, and I'm going to be honest, my mind was pretty scattered. I had a hard time to put this together in a way that I thought would make sense, what, what I'm really thinking. I, tend to, I kept thinking, well, I'm giving the wrong message, but uh, <clears throat> I would like to try to do that. Anyway, I'd like to share what's on my heart. The title I gave to the message is Glorying in Infirmities. 
and it's taken out of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. Okay, 1 Corinthians here. Where Paul says, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Can we identify with the Apostle Paul? Can we sense, in, as, we, as we note here in the Apostle Paul, that he had these in this? And I don't know what exactly he... We'll, we'll look at this a little bit later. Read, I'd like to read this whole thing later. <clears throat> uh, as we look at that and then we think of well, how, what we can do or how we can relate to our infirmities. And, uh, but maybe... But I'm amazed... You know, as I and I, I've said this before many times, I know, but I, I, I'm always amazed, and that's probably because I know who I am. And to, to think that God can or could or would use me uh, in the work of the kingdom. I'm amazed at how God uses humanity, as God uses frail people, and people with um, imperfect people in the kingdom of God. We tend to, it's easy for us to become very judgmental when we see people, <clears throat> uh, when, we, you know, when we see the imperfections in people, well, they can't do this because of that. And we try to, to think that only we'd be perfect people would be doing certain things. But our greatest fault, I believe, is, is that we try to take that thought and put it into our own hearts. And we think, well, God can't, I, there, you know, I've got this problem, so I can't, God couldn't use me. I couldn't do this because I got this problem. I, God couldn't use me because I've got, because of this. And according to the Apostle Paul, that's not really true. Although there are things, and that's, I'd like to look at that. There are some things that disqualify us as people that God can use. There are things that, I want to be careful when I say that, but there are things that can be in our lives that would take away from our abilities. In Hebrews 11, I'd like to, just several things, I'd like, I know to just, again, that's where I'd like to start. I, I, I think I'm going to start there. I'm going to talk about some individuals uh, uh, scripture in the, in the Bible, or we're going to look at, uh, well, you know, in, in, in Hebrews 11, the faith chapter, verse 32, uh, this is what he says. He, he has this whole list of people. They, they, they did this by faith, and they did this, and they did that. And then verse 30 says, and what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets. And so we could, I can tell you, go into the book of, uh, there in, in Hebrews 11, that old chapter, and we could look at all those individuals and see, see, their, see them. But I just I, I kind of narrowed in on that one little, there's a list there. <clears throat> Gideon is the first one mentioned. 
The book of Judges is a very, very interesting book. There's a lot of stories there, um, there's, and I encourage you to, to read that, study that book sometimes, just, and, and, and look at those people. Gideon is a man, we, we know God used him tremendously. God used him there, he, he, talk, he called him, he was, uh, he was called out to go and to, uh, you know, to just, you know, I think it was the Midianites at that time, I read over that, I get a little confused on all the details, but... And you, we know how you know, he, he had all these men that were going to go fight with him, and then God said there was too many, and so they had to narrow it down. They finally got it down to 300 men. And, and then, then all they did was they took, a, took uh, clay pots and lamps and, and something to break the clay pot. And then, you know, there's no, no, nothing said about the, the swords and the, and the spears and all that kind of things you'd take to, to fight fight this big army. But no, all they take these little things, they surround it, they break the pots, they, they cry out, and, and, the, and the Midianites got all scared of it and ran. Tremendous. But, but, no, but, it, but Gideon was a man that really, really doubted God. Now, I would have too if God would try to tell me stuff like that, wouldn't I? I, no, I can't. I'm not blaming Gideon. God told me, well, you can do it with 300 men. You had this huge army out there. I would have said, wait a minute, God, what's going on? I don't understand this. Gideon, first he puts out his fleece, and then, he's, then, he, then he turns around on the other side. Is this side wet or is it dry? And he kept, kept doing all these things, trying to figure out if God was actually saying these things. Now, we could, we could, we could come up with a lot of issues about Gideon. We have, if we would, you know, we would say, well, the Lord said this, we'd have the comments that the Lord is saying this, and we got somebody that just keeps throwing fleeces around and questioning God. We'd say, well, that man doesn't have faith. Got to, that man's got some issues in his life. <clears throat> and I think he did. I actually think Gideon did have a few issues. But ultimately, God wanted him to use, to use him, and, and he, he accepted what God told him finally. And he went out and he did what God said. <clears throat> Barak. Another man. We don't know a lot about him. The, the account simply says he was called to... Uh, he, was a, he was a captain of the army. Deborah was, the, uh, was actually the uh, judge that was judging Israel at that time, was a woman. And, then, and Barak, I, I don't know, did he have an attitude about women? But he was told, look... You're the captain of the army, but you're not going to kill the, the, the Syrian, uh, Syrian captain. It's a woman's going to do that. Almost like he was challenged. Oh, that would, be a, that, he wouldn't do, that would have been a hard thing for him. And it happened. Syrian general ran into the, uh, the lady's tent. Uh, what was her name? I can't think of it right now. Jail or something like that. Anyway, uh, and she pounded a nail through his head. While Barak was out there looking for him, trying to find him to kill him. Samson. These are the lists of people that, that uh, the Hebrew writer says were men of faith. And that, uh, people that, uh, yeah, in this list. Samson. Womanizer. He's out there, you know, there were some issues in that man's life. But God had, God had called him. God used him. And again, I'm not justifying any of those things that, that Samson did. I don't think it, what, what the, the end result, I think he had to come to a place of repentance, a place of acceptance, that God's truth uh, is still stands. And uh, 
<clears throat> so yeah, so some of the some of the things about him, Jephthah. Man, we don't read a lot, but I, as I was reading across, I'd like to actually look a little bit more intensely at at him at his life uh, or the description, his description there in, in Judges chapter eleven. <clears throat> we wonder, and you know, Jephthah is a man we. He, you know, he was he was very in, into it. He to the point where he said, you know, he made that vow to God that whatever comes out of his house is going to be given to God. And then his daughter comes out, and this this was a tremendous sacrifice for that man. He followed through uh, in accepting uh, God's what God had, you know, what God had called him to to do. This is, this is uh, I'm going to read about, uh, well, I'm just going to jump down through here and look at some things that would, we would say would be a, really a, be against him. Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty man of valor. I'm, I'm, reading, I'm reading in verse, chapter 11 of Judges. He was a mighty man of valor, and he was a son of a harlot. Well, where does that put him? Down in verse 3. Well, verse 2, it says, And Gilead's wife bare him sons, and, why, and his wife's sons grew up. Gilead would have been Jephthah's dad. And Jephthah, and then, but he had his wife, so he had these other sons. And, uh, or Jephthah had these other half-brothers, and they, said, and they said unto him, Thou shalt not inherit in our father's house, for thou art the son of a strange woman. And Jephthah fled from his brothers and dwelt in the land of Tob. So he was a reject. He was a born of a harlot. He was rejected. Send away from his family. And then he says he land, lived out there in this land of Tob. I don't know where that is. I, guess, I don't know if I'm pronounced that right even. And then, what, then what, you know what it says about this man? This is Jephthah, the judge of Israel. And there were gathered vain men to Jephthah and went out with him. So that's, that was his companions. So he was out there, he was cast out, and all these vain men came out. and you know, Quite a picture of a person, isn't it? <clears throat> but then some of the elders of the Gilead there, the land where his father was from, they saw his abilities, they saw his gifts, and they told him, come, come and be our uh, judge, be our king. And uh, <clears throat> and he, you know, he, he, he accepted that. Verse 11, and this is, so this is, was his, ne his next move. Verse 11 says, Then Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead, and the people made him head and captain over them. And Jephthah uttered all his words before the Lord in Mizpah. Now what, did he, what was that? What did he do in Mizpah? What, it says he uttered all his words. <clears throat> I think he talked to God. I think he repented. I think he, he, he just simply gave himself to the Lord. I think it was a prayer of, of commitment of, you know, the Lord, you know, for, uh, to a recognition of God being God. <clears throat> if we read on down, if the story is there, verse 29 it says, and the spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, and he passed over Gilead and Manasseh. 
and passed over Mizpah of Gilead, and from Mizpah of Gilead he passed unto the children of Ammon. So he, that was, here he went out to battle. It says the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Now after all those other negative things about his life, it seems that uh, he, he went out with the fear. Well, you said the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And in verse 32 it says, and, 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 and the children of Ammon... Uh, and the Lord delivered them into his hands. <clears throat> and that, that's, that's part of the story, you know, the story about, what, about his daughter and, and how she came out then when he made this vow and all that. That's, that's just more of the Jephthah's story. And I'm not going to go there. <clears throat> I'm talking about men that God were using that were imperfect people. David. A man after God's own heart, we hear a lot of good, a lot of, and there's a lot of good things about David, and, there, and he did so many right things, but we all know, the Bible doesn't hide it, David had some issues. And it was when David repented, and as David sought the Lord, and as David came to the Lord and, and found his place on the Lord, that God just, God just used him in tremendous ways. Not because he was, did everything right, not because he was a perfect person, because of his repentance, because of how he related to his failures and his weaknesses. <clears throat> and remember, where we're going here is that we're talking about glorying in our infirmities. Samuel, as a priest, is mentioned in this. I'm just using, again, we're sticking with the names that were in that verse in Hebrews. <clears throat> again, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of good things, but then there's also a few negative things about Samuel that we can read. But God used them all. God used them for the furtherance of his kingdom. And so we'd like to look at that a little bit towards the end here yet, as far as our infirmities how should we look at some things and what do we recognize as infirmities? <clears throat> there are several things and I would like, I've got a list of some men that uh, in, the new, in, the old, in the Old and New Testament and I believe these were some, these were men that, that, are, that are prominent men. These are men that without a question uh, we, we would all recognize these men as uh, I just happen to think of it. I don't think I have any women in this list. I don't know that that was not intentional, or uh, I don't. I don't think. I don't think there's any difference. I'll put it that way. But some reason, uh, well, once I realized that these are all men, I should have brought up found. There should, I'm sure there would be some women accounts of some women that would fit into the same pattern here. But I, I, what I'm looking for is, is let's not. Um, as we think of our, our, our weaknesses, uh, glorying our infir in our infirmity, infirmi I get tongue-tied, uh, no, we don't justify ourselves, well, you know, I just can't help this. Or in the light of when we have things in our lives that are actually wrong, or actually, actually being a hindrance and actually working against the kingdom, and then we justify ourselves in those things, well, God, you know, it doesn't matter. Those things do matter. Sin in our lives does matter. There are some things there that are very important. And I'm going to point out a few very prominent men uh, in, the, in the Old Testament and in the New 
who needed to be rebuked and who needed to be told that that was not the right thing for them, that, that what they were doing wasn't right. In Genesis chapter 20, verse 1, And Abraham journeyed from thence toward the south country, and dwelled between Kadesh and Shur, and sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said to Sarah, his wife, She is my sister. He said, Of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, thou art but a dead man, for the woman which thou hast taken, which thou, for the woman which thou hast taken, taken, for she is a man's wife. I should have uh, got the next couple verses there. <clears throat> I didn't, I didn't uh, copy those out. I quit too soon. Verse going on, but Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, wilt thou slay also a righteous man, a nation? He recognized, he asked, Lord, well, you know, hey, I, I, I did not know this, and I have not touched this woman. Are you going to destroy me because of this? Uh, said he not unto me, she is my sister, and she, even she herself said he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and innocence of my hands have I done this. Uh, what I wanted to do is, yeah, verse 9 is one I wanted. And Abimelech called Abraham and said unto him, What hast thou done unto us, and what have I offended thee, that thou hast brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin, that thou hast done deeds unto me that ought not to be done? And I, we could read on. But the, my, my point is, Abraham, a man of faith, and he needed a rebuke. He handled this wrong. He should not have done that. That was not right. I think Abraham repented. They moved on. Later, he, I think there's another case where he did a similar thing over in Egypt. <clears throat> Abraham, a man of faith. I think it's a, it's a, it's a let's not, my point is, is as we, as we think, we, let's not look at something like that. Well, that's just the way I am. You know, that's just my infirmities. And I, get, I'll, I just, you know, I just, I'm, you know, when we think of glorying in, in, our, in our infirmities, it's not about sin in our lives. It's not about wrong, doing wrong. It's not about uh, just, you know, you know, well, you know, justifying ourselves in the things that are wrong. We have to call those what they are. Abraham needed to do that. His fear of man, I don't know, his fear of trying to save his own skin. I don't know what he was trying, what all he was about there. Okay, Moses and Aaron. We would all recognize them. They, they, historically and in the scriptures, from begin, I mean, maybe not all the way from the beginning, but from Exodus on, these two men are very prominent people, very uh, men that were used by God, you know, the Moses and the law are almost synonyms, Aaron and the priesthood are almost synonyms, uh, just tremendous what God did to those men, with those men. <clears throat> Numbers chapter 20 verse 12, and I'll just, I just picked this verse out, there, there would be several other places we could, we could, we could find some things, it says, but, but I, I, this is what I wanted. 
And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because ye believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. Even Moses, and as much as he worked and tried and, and you know, stood up for the people and, and, and uh, at different times and, and you know, when, when the 40 and upward, you know, those that were 20 years old and upward uh, that had just, you know, died in the 40 years in the wilderness. <clears throat> but Moses and Aaron were rebuked. And why? Because they believed me not. Because you believed me not. Because of unbelief. And that's the one thing I want to notice here. Faith in God. That we do not believe God. That's not a weakness where we can glory in. That's not an infirmity that we can glory in. That is something we need to repent of. When we don't believe God, we need to repent. Again, these men, these men were used long after this. I think they repented, obviously. They accepted that God was right. But unbelief, you know, is, is you know, we need to call that what it is. <clears throat> The next person I have is Jonah. Jonah 1, verse 1 says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa. And he found his ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof, went down into it to go with him, with them unto Tarshish for the, from the presence of the Lord. So he ran away. God told him to go preach to the Ninevites. He did not want to go. He did not want to preach to those people. He thought, you know, those were bad people. Those were his enemies. He did not want to go to preach to those people. And so he tries to run away from God, and he does not obey God. We know what happened. There was judgment. God sent the Big fish swallowed him, spat him back out on the, on the seashore, told him, now, go to, go to Nineveh. He went, he preached, the whole city repented. Amazing what God did with a man that was, tried to run away from him. <clears throat> Jonah still had some issues. He was out under the little vine that God allowed it to grow, and he was complaining that God accepted this repentance, and then the vine died, and he got angry with God for doing that. Not a very good history. Not a very good report for this man. But he was not willing to obey God. He had a bad attitude. Should he glory in that? Was that, was that okay? <clears throat> Chapter 9 of Luke. I'm going to start reading 54. I kind of break in there. It says, And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, and this was uh, people that I'm not blanked out on what, what had happened just before that. Uh, but anyway, they saw this. They said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elias did? But he turned, Jesus returned and rebuked them, and he said, You know not what manner of spirit ye are of, for the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. 
This passing of judgment is what I see here. And this is what I want to note. When they were, they were judgmental about these other people. And even though what was, it was not a good thing, but God told, Jesus told them, you've got a wrong spirit. You're looking at this in the wrong way. You're, you've got a judgmental spirit. And he rebuked them. <clears throat> that was James and John. Later in Luke, the disciples, there was a strife among them, it says, in verse 20, chapter 22. Which, of which of them should be accounted the greatest? And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But ye shall not be so, but he that is the greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is a chief, as he that doth serve." That spirit of superiority, that spirit of, spirit of, of uh, being, being in control, of being, in the, being the chiefs, Christ, Christ rebuked them for that. This was not a weakness. This was wrong. This was not an infirmity, I don't think. <clears throat> Paul addressed the Apostle Peter in Galatians chapter 2. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face, because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews disassembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. So here we have another example of a man that was fearful, of fear of men. And, he, and although Peter had had that experience there with Cornelius, though he, was, he had accepted Paul and the teaching to the Gentiles, and when he was out there with the Gentiles, he was able to, to, to eat with the Gentiles, but when the Jews came in, he separated himself. And Paul rebuked him for that, and, uh, and told him that, you know, that, that you can't do that. So I'm looking at those examples, and I'm, like I said, I'm sure there would be a lot more, just a few there that I thought I would note. Imperfect people, individuals who we all know, that, you know, Peter, James, and John, and, and all those, you know, Abraham, and, and Jonah, and Moses, and Aaron, and those people that I mentioned there. Heroes, men of faith, imperfect people. <clears throat> So the first thing I want to say, if you want to be useful in the kingdom of God, don't start looking at all your imperfections. Well, maybe we should look at them, but don't consider them disqualifying you. Consider them something to address, to repent of. If it's sin, if it's something that you can change, then change it. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. <clears throat> and I think, I think we need to do that. And I think when we accept those, those realities of our failures and of our, of our uh, faults and our challenges, the things that we, where our weak points are, that's the first step, in, or that's, that's, that's a big step in, in growing and in changing and in, in being 
and doing something about those problems. If you struggle with faith and unbelief, then let's just recognize that. If you struggle with pride and wanting to lift yourself up, let's recognize that. These are hindrances. These are things that work against us. We struggle with, you know, discouragement to the point where we can't function, and that's some of the things I deal with, you know. Let's recognize that. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 again. I'm going to start reading in verse 1. It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such an one ought up, one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such an one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. So he's saying he knew of this, he knew of this search, and I think that was an experience that Paul had, and he, he couldn't glory in that. But he said he's not going to. Instead, he's going to glory in his infirmities. So how does he do that, and what does that mean? And I don't know that I have it all together here. Verse 6, he says, For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. My thoughts went to this passage of Scripture when I, as I pondered well, I just, you know, this past week, I, 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 know, I heard of a situation again where a man that I knew, know, and a very, very gifted man, very, a man that has been a tremendous uh, servant in the kingdom of God, has done amazing things, and uh, the reality is, he's got some issues. He's also struggling. There's also some things in his life that he needs to address and he needs to recognize. And so I thought of myself and I thought of us as a church. And, uh, 
you know, sometimes in our struggles, and then there was a kind of comment was made, you know, well, you know, there is, you know, we all have our, you know, we have our mental and our emotional struggles, and, and some of these things affect the way we relate to each other, and so maybe this is what some of our struggles with each other. And this is why we, you know, we, we, we fight, and, or we, I don't like the word fight, but as we, yeah, as, we, as we try to relate and build relationships, and as we try to build a church, and as we try to, to work together these, these infirmities, are holding us back. We've got some things in our past, some hurts, some wrong thinkings, some, and I don't know what Paul's infirmity was. It, it, it could imply it could have been a physical thing. And some of us have some of those. We have physical needs that, that make a difference in our lives. And so we could, we could look at those things. And again, the reason I go to all those other men, and I saw their infirmities, and, the, and, and, and what I was trying to to take our thoughts into like God was using people that were less than perfect, but they had some problems and they had to address those and they had to do something with those. And in the same way with the Apostle Paul, he wasn't a perfect man and, and I don't know what all, but somehow these things affected the way he taught, the way he reached out to people, the way, uh, the way he ministered. But God told him, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. <clears throat> you know, if you have unbelief, if you don't trust God, then you need to repent of that. If I had that, I need to repent of that. There's no way that God can work with an un, with, with with that that that's that's sin if i don't trust god if i can't if i can't just believe if i can't believe the in the almighty power of god the righteousness of god and his abilities and 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 what he wants to do in my life unbelief is not one of these things that 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 the strength or is made perfect in weakness doesn't work that way we have to repent of that Another one is disobedience. We can't expect just to just to disobey God when God says this is what we need to do, when this is right and this is wrong, and, and, and we don't have to go. I'm not, I'm not talking about the Old Testament law. I'm simply talking about the fruit of the Spirit and 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 the and the uh, and the fruit of, and the uh, yeah and all and the things that are right and wrong. Look at uh, look at those scriptures. Disobedience to God is not a weakness that we can justify and say, well, my strength is made perfect in weakness. I, uh, no. God can't work around those things. Those, those people in the Old Testament, God used those people when they repented, when they, when they accepted those, their, their sin and when they did wrong. Mm. Pride is another one. That's not when we are too, too proud to admit our needs, when we're too proud to 
recognize our weaknesses and we try to justify ourselves in those things. God can't work with that. We need to repent of those things. But Paul says, again, coming back, what Paul said, and this is, this, is, this is what I want to impress on us this morning. Paul did not, Paul was not perfect. Paul had some issue, had an issue. Was it physical? Uh, and maybe, maybe it was, maybe it was emotional, maybe it was uh, in, a, in a, maybe he just wasn't as good at something as somebody else was. Some people think it was his eyes, some people say it was his speech, some people say it was some other physical ailment. I don't know what it was. That's not really my, that's not that important to me this morning. I know that I have some emotional weaknesses. There are some things that make, that just make me go like this. I, I draw back. I, I can't, I won't touch that thing. I'm scared of it. I know there's some things that I, you know, you know, I have a hard time if, if I don't have a clear direction of what to do. I just, I tend to procrastinate and I wait and I wait and I wait. And sometimes I wait too long. I believe that's a weakness. I have to accept those things. I still think God wants to work. God wants to do things with that. But when I accept that and allow God to give me direction, I trust God in faith and I move forward. I think our strength in, in, in I think to, okay, let, let, let's, what, what, what I want to say is that there are several things how I think we can, the, the, the glory, glorying, how glorying in our infirmities expresses itself. Because I've pondered this thought for myself and then I'm share with you. The first Paul admitted he had this, had this problem. He said he, he asked God three times to take it away, and God said, no, I want to do something with that weakness. And so he embraced it. Paul said, that's just who I am. And we know that God was very useful in the kingdom of God. I think that's one thing. Let's embrace. We do not... Glory, if we're going to glory in our infirmities, in our weaknesses, and in our areas of, 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 of trials, we're going to have to embrace them. We're going to have to recognize that's who I am. And that God is able to do something with them. If we try to run away from them, or hide them, or, or just, you know, we don't, or don't accept that that's who I am. We're not allowing God's grace to be sufficient. The second point that we need to have is humility. It takes humility. But it takes humility. And we want to embrace, and we want God's grace to be sufficient for our weaknesses, for our infirmities. If we want to glory in our infirmities, we have to just simply humbly recognize that we have those infirmities. And it's okay. There are some things that my brothers in this church here can do that I cannot do. I just I, I I am I don't have it. There are some things that the sisters can do. There are everyone has their place and we have our have our little places. It's okay. We can recognize that's what that's what a team is all about. That's what a brotherhood is all about. When we recognize each other's strengths 
and we accept our own weaknesses. I would rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me, was Paul's words. And I think there's a place for repentance. When there's areas in our life that we are, you know, that we hang on to, to a level of, of not accepting or not, or, right, or you know, just simply not pride and, and, uh, and uh, things like that. So my heart this morning is that God's grace would actually be working in our hearts this morning. That it, we would say, we would find that the grace of God is sufficient in our infirmities. <clears throat> that as we connect with each other as brothers and sisters, we can come to this, this acceptance and this, you know, I don't know what the word I would like to put in there, but in this, that it's okay if you have a gift, you are able to do something that I cannot do. And that actually it's better for you to do it than me. Secondarily, I would like for us to come to, you know, as a brother, that we would recognize that though I am, may not be perfect, and I, there's, there's going to be areas that I am, it's going, this is going to be difficult for me, that God wants to use me anyway to do this work and that I can do it by the grace of God. I think there's a place for that, that we accept those things. And we allow that we can actually glory in our infirmities. Think about the thought of glorying in, in our infirmities. That sounds very bad. We would like to, we would tend to think we would glory in our strengths. We would glory in, our, in the things that we do the best. But Paul is saying that he wants to glory in his infirmities, in the things that he is not able or not good not there and he wants to glory in that so that God's grace is sufficient so that somehow God is glorified and I really think that's what God wants from us God is glorified the most Let's read on here. I'll read again verse 10. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. And that's what I would like to be my testimony. That in the areas that I'm weak, because God is doing things and not me, it looks like it's strong, and when I'm not really that strong. Let's kneel for prayer.